Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. It's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, to teach us, to train us, to become like him. And so we've got the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And these scriptures that say, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Well, how do you become more like Jesus, who is the most radical giver of all? You become a radical giver. How does it, in John chapter 15, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. I'm the source of everything. And if you live everything through me, you're going to become like me, and you're going to have abundant fruit, and your fruit will be blessed, and you'll be able to bless others. And you see these scriptures all through the Bible, and what they're really about is us yielding over to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to give us the attributes of God himself to be used in the world around us and to touch others. And the most radical one of all is to become a giver like him. So Malachi 3.6 beginning in 3.6, says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And that's pretty good right there, because basically God says, Hey, I'm a loving God, and I love you, and, and really you deserve judgment, and you should be consumed. But because I'm God and I love you, I'm not going to consume you. That's good enough right there. But then he says, Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. You've gone away from my instructions. You've gone away from my ordinary ordinances, as some of the other Bible versions say. You've gone away from what I'm trying to teach you and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return to you? And God, now speaking, says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But then we say, or, or the people say, in what way have we robbed you? And I don't know, can you kind of get this, um, hopefully they'll get this kind of this echo out of the mic here. So, but in what way have we robbed you? And then God says, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? That's the local church or the local temple. Or the, in the New Testament, it's a church. That there may be food in my house. And then try me or test me. Now, Pastor Denny next week is going to do a whole lesson on this trying or testing that he wants you to do of him, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you, are, for you will be a delightful land. That is the, the main one that we use over and over again. I probably read it in this church ten times. And a lot of us know that, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. 
But I want you to understand and know that God is saying that the tithes and offerings are his. They belong to him. All through scripture it says that. And it goes all the way from Genesis to Revelation that all through scripture the tithes and offerings belong to God. And when we understand that God is what he's doing with that, does, by the way, does God say, hey, the light bills in heaven need to be paid and that belongs to me, you better pay it. It has nothing to do with that. By the way, the streets of gold need to be swept a little bit or we need to repave them, so we need some of your money. It has nothing to do with that. What God is doing is he's setting a number, 10% is what it is for the tithes, so that it's fair to everyone, so that he could get us to a place to start from so that we can be molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit into the image of God, the most radical giver of all. And offerings and extravagant offerings, it's a picture that I want to take my people and allow my, my spirit in them to mold them and shape them into me. And to become like me, they've got to be less selfish. What's the first thing that a baby learns? One of the first words, more, mine, more, mine, mine. I want mine, mine. It's mine. And when you have kids come over your house to play with your kids, what does your kid usually do? That's mine, and they take it away from the other kid. And the kid goes to somewhere else and grabs something else. That's mine, too. Mine, mine. We were born with a selfish nature. We were born in a cursed world, and we have a selfish nature. And how God cleans up that selfish nature is to teach us to become radical givers. It's not about mine. It's about him. Um, and Robert Morris shares a story about guys. I know... This is me, and I don't know if other guys are like this, but guys are selfish too, and so are women. But guys, it's a with food most of the time. Hey, if I'm in a fast food restaurant, and Deb, what's the first thing that a woman says to a guy in the fast food, re food restaurant? The guy's at the thing, and I'll go over. Deb does it too sometimes. Not that much, not Deb. Not Deb. I won't go there with Deb. <laughs> Deb's saying, no, I don't do it. because she. But a lot of women, what they'll do is, are you hungry, dear? What would you like? No, no, no I'm, I'm really not hungry, but I'm going to have some of yours. You, you're not having any of mine. <laughs> you're not having mine. I'll buy you something. Right now, I want to buy you some. I'll buy you two hamburgers, and I'll buy you two orders of fries, but you're not eating mine. And the ones that fall in the bottom of the bag, those are mine too. <laughs> no, you're not getting a bite of my food. That's my food. If you want some food, I'll buy you some. That's selfishness. You know, with women, it's kind of like there's a couple things that they don't want people to, they kind of keep to themselves too. What, their age and their, their weight? Um, how I, my, my, step, <laughs> my stepmom went to the grave and never even on the thing. I don't know how she did it because she was dead, but nobody knows what age she is. <laughs> her mom does and her sister does. But they are sworn to secrecy. There's something about women who don't want to give their age out. I mean, right to the grave. So we're always, there's something we always hold back. And what God's doing in the area of, of setting up tithes and offerings is breaking that stuff off of us. That's why he does this. So again, most famous area of tithes and offerings is Malachi 3. Um, let me quickly just give you Leviticus. It's all through the scripture, but a Le uh, Leviticus 27.30 says this. And all the tithes of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it's holy to the Lord. The word holy means set apart to the Lord. And that's not the only place it says that. So all the tithes and all the offerings in the land are his. God's saying that. 
And that should be enough for us right there to say, I'm not going to rob God. Here's what you can do with the tithes and offerings. I said it earlier. You either give them to God, which they're, they're his, and he says they're his, or you steal them from him, in which you're under a curse, which then goes over your entire financial system, your whole family. The devourer is not rebuked, so you've got a devourer on you. Come on, you're not blessed. The windows of heaven aren't open over you. And you wonder why you have the problems you got. I counsel a lot of folks over the years. Nobody in this church, by the way. You guys are all good. Nobody here today. But a lot of times they have financial issues. And one of the biggest issues in marriage is financial. The reason why they have financial issues, 99.9% .9 of them aren't tithers that come in to me and say, we got this issue, we got that issue. Well, are you tithing? Well, no, we don't have enough money to tithe. Well, then you'll never have enough money to tithe and you'll always be under the curse. Here's how tithing works. You tithe first, then the blessings come. You don't get the blessings and say, I'm going to tithe. It just doesn't work that way. That's not how God works. So again, let's go through these scriptures because um, we want to cultivate a heart of being a proper steward. Um, I'm going to read a couple scriptures so we don't have to go to, go to them on the, the board there, but Proverbs 3.9 says, Glory, Glorify God with all of your wealth, honoring him with your very best with every increase that comes to you, and then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of joy. Wow. With honor God. And when you honor God, God sees that. And he says, I can trust that person. I'm going to put more. Even Jesus went through it many times, the parables of the talents. What happens in the kingdom? Here's how kingdom go. Uh, living works. Those who take their talents and don't put them into the kingdom to be multiplied, those talents will be taken from that person and given to the one who has all kinds of talents who've been using them and multiplying them in the kingdom. That's pretty much, in a nutshell, what the parable of the talents is about. In the kingdom, it's taken from the poor stewards and given to the good stewards. That's almost the opposite of what People understand like Robin Hood and stuff. They, he usually robs from the rich and gives to the poor. Why does God take from those who are? Because God's looking for good stewards. God's looking for people with a heart like him. And in the kingdom, if you're not going to steward things properly and going to be immature and not follow his direction and his ordinary principles, you're not going to get blessed because he can't trust you yet. You're still a babe. And we need to grow up in this area. Let's start in the garden. Let's journey through God's word. Garden in the garden. Genesis 2, if you can put that up. Genesis 2, chapter 15, or Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. If you can put that up there. Genesis 2. And what happens in this picture of Genesis chapter 2 is it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. In other places it says to have dominion over it and to multiply and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God gives us stewardships of mankind. He gives man stewardship, Adam and Eve, stewardship over a garden. And they're supposed to steward the garden. But there's one area that they're not supposed to touch. But somehow they go around the directions of God, and instead of stewarding properly what they're supposed to steward, they take what is God's, 
and they begin to eat the fruit of it. Isn't that a picture of what we do with our tithes and offerings? We take our own tithes and offerings that are God's, and we eat the fruit of it, and we wonder why we're not blessed. It's the same sin of the garden. When you rob the tithes and offerings from God, it's the same sin as the garden. It's no different. Do you see that? By choosing to eat of the fruit of the tree, they were acting like owners, like they owned it all, like it was theirs, instead of getting the vision that all things come from God, and we are to steward over it for his honor and glory. And if we live with open hands, when he gives us things and we live to bless others, it increases because the blessings are given away. And as we continue to bless, he continues to increase. But if you're going to eat the fruit, death, curse. God doesn't put us under the curse. You chose to go under the curse. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. I talked about that earlier today. Let's go to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 6 or 7. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, here's somebody giving to God. Cain was actually giving, right? And he thought he had it right in his own mind. But look at the scripture here. And the Lord God, oh, that's not the right one, is it? Can you get to the next one? Genesis, there we go. And it came to pass in the process of time. God had a way to give. And it was spelled out obviously to both Cain and Abel. Why? Because, it, let me read through it again. Then the Lord took, oh, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the what? Firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Why? Because Cain didn't do it God's way. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? Now listen to this. If you do well, or if you do what you're supposed to do, if you, or if you follow my instructions, or if you give the way I ex want you to give, You see that? You will not be, um, it, you will not, oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong verse. Why are you angry? So, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7, there we go. If you do well, you will not, will you not be accepted? I was looking at that wrong. Will you not be accepted? What God is saying, I guess the best way to, because I'm even getting it confused, is this. I've set up a way to give. Now, this is 2,500 years before the law, by the way. So anybody that says that tithings and offerings are under the law, this is 2,500 years before that. Cain and Abel, the first children on the face of the earth, are already making tithes and offerings to God. Cain's doesn't get accepted because over the course of time, he decides to give some of his fruits and vegetables to God. But Abel, immediately when the firstborn, it says when the first one came, he gave it. The reason why Cain was not blessed is because he wasn't doing it God's way and he wasn't giving the first to God. 
He did it over the course of time, and he gave some of his fruits and vegetables. It doesn't say he gave his first fruits, does it? He wasn't honoring God right away the way God says, once you get it, you give it to me. First fruits is all through the scriptures. And I don't want to get too far into this because Pastor Brenda is going to have a whole message on why we give God first in our lives. Cain was not giving God first. He was doing it his way. And because God decided to do it his own, I mean, uh, Cain decided to do it his own way, the first murder took place on the face of the earth because of tithes and offerings. Cain, I will give my way. What's that song by Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. God's saying, no, if you do it my way, I'll bless you. Again, probably one of the greatest pictures of tithes and offerings is the Cain and Abel story, but let's go on through the scriptures. Again, 2,500 years before the law. Abraham, in Genesis 14, if you can turn to, uh, put that on the board, Genesis 14. In Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, Abraham is, goes to the place where he redeems his uh, uh, cousin, is it, Lot? Or is, no, he's the uncle, I think. So he gets Lot, Abraham's the uncle. He gets Lot, his nephew. He gets all the things that were stolen from the other kings and stole it from him, and he redeems that. He goes to war and gets it back. And now this priest, now wait a second, this is 450 years before there's even a priesthood. There's a great high priest waiting there for Abraham, and his name is Melchizedek. And really, this is a picture of Jesus Christ, because we know that, because it says that in Hebrews chapter 5 and in 7, that Jesus Christ is the priest after the order of Melchizedek. So Abraham brings all this stuff, and he begins to tithe to Melchizedek. He begins to tithe to Jesus in the Old Testament, 450 years before the law. And as he gives to Jesus way back then, before the law, he's putting it in Jesus' hands. I want you to see a picture that is most amazing, and it jumps us into the New Testament. And it's in Hebrews chapter, now let me, I guess you can look at that and read it. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And again, that's the story of him giving to, to Jesus. But if you can go to the next verse, I want everybody to see this. This is probably one of the most amazing verses in the scripture, in the New Testament, on giving. And it's going to set up the rest of the verses to understand why things need to be redeemed out of the curse into the kingdom of God. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9, there's a story beginning in Hebrews chapter 5. And it has to do with Jesus being Melchizedek and Jesus receiving the tithes. Now look at even Levi who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Go to the next verse. Because I think I got the wrong one here. Well, let me read it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse um, 10 might be. Here mortal men receive tithes, but here he, Jesus, receives them from whom it is witnessed that he lives. Mortal men in the Old Testament and on the earth through the law receive tithes and offerings. Now, as a testament that Jesus Christ lives, has been resurrected, 
Jesus Christ now receives all the tithes and offerings. What happened with Abraham was a picture that Jesus Christ receives all the tithes and offerings. When you put your money in that plate, symbolically it goes to Jesus first. He blesses it, and then it is used for the kingdom of God. That's what that's saying. And because he lives, because he was resurrected, that's why he's doing that. Jesus Christ receives your tithes and offerings every single time you give. He knows everything you give. And every time you give, he receives them. That's what that's saying. Here in Hebrews chapter 7, I believe it's verse 9 and 10. Here mortal men receive tithes, but he, Jesus, receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives what a privilege to understand that Jesus Christ is actually receiving your tithes and offering, blessing them, and then returning them back into the church. You thought you were just putting your tithes and offerings into a plate. Your tithes and offerings are going to Jesus. Just that alone would be enough to me to, to tithe. But then even Jesus in Matthew 23, 23 says that, that we ought to tithe. That's one of the verses that he says that we ought to tithe. But now I want to show you how this multiplication works and give you a big picture now of what tithes and offerings are about. Let's go to um, Luke. And in Luke, the next verse, if you can go up to the next verse, group of verses there. In Luke, this is about the feeding of the 5,000. Again, one of the greatest, greater testaments of tithes and offerings, the feeding of the 5,000. Now what's happening, Pastor Brenda, is the, look at that, when the day began to wear away. So Jesus is um, talking to these folks in the morning, 10 o'clock goes by, 11 o'clock goes by, 12 o'clock goes by, 1 o'clock goes by, 2 o'clock, 5 o'clock p.m. goes by, and they're all still there, and they're all still happy about it. But the disciples are saying, hey, the day's wearing away, we better feed these folks. So let's read through this. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitudes away. You know, this thing about we have to have an hour-long service or a 50-minute service or we're not going to get the people. Most models to build churches and to make successful churches, and not of the Assemblies of God, but other churches say one hour long. We can't keep the people. 20-minute 20 20 message. Jesus preached for hours and hours and hours and hours. Peter preached for hours. Wasn't it Paul preaching for hours? What happened when they went and it was past midnight and the person fell out because they finally fell asleep and they were raised from the dead and they kept going into mourning? People, you've got to get some spiritual endurance because you're getting fed spiritual meat. And if you ha can't take it for more than 20 minutes, don't you sit in front of a TV and watch a football game then for two hours. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we will, for we are in a deserted place here. But listen to what he says to them. But he says to them, give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves, two fishes, unless we go and buy food for all these people. And there was about 5,000 men, so there's probably about 20,000 people there. And he said to the disciples, make them sit down as a group, groups of 50. Can you get the next verse up there for this one? I don't know if you can or not. If not, I can. Cool. And they did so. 
and made them all sit down, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they all ate and were filled, and the 12 baskets left over in fragments. And Here's the tithing exhortation in this. Here's the two points. When things are put into Jesus' hands, they get blessed. And when things are put into Jesus' hands and get blessed, and when we give them away, they multiply. I want you to get that again. When we take the stuff of the world and put it into Jesus' hands, he blesses it. And when Jesus offers it up because he sits at the right hand of God, this goes with Hebrew chapter 7, 9 and 10. He gives it back to us, and as we give it away, it's multiplied. That is a kingdom principle that is about tithes and offerings. Do you get it? Do you understand what he's trying to do? He's saying, you give it to me, the tithes and offerings belong to me, but when you give it to me, it gets blessed, and it goes along with Malachi that says, you're robbing me of what's mine, and when you give it to me, don't you understand? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. You're going to have to build storehouses to understand how to keep this stuff because I'm going to bless you beyond measure. And when you get and understand this message, you begin to know and understand that he's putting you in an upward spiral into his heart to become more like him. And it starts with tithes and offerings. And if you can't be faithful in the little, mm. so that's how multiplication in the kingdom works. As they gave it away into the hands of Jesus, Jesus is the one who takes your tithes and offerings. It is blessed. It is redeemed out of the world. What happened when Jesus came by his blood? He redeemed us out of the world. We were no longer under a curse. We were redeemed out of the kingdom of unrighteousness and darkness into the kingdom of light. And the same thing, when we redeem these funds from the world, put them in the hands of Jesus, they are blessed. Come on, it's the same picture of us and our salvation. Do you, do you understand what he's trying to do and teach us in this? I get so many people get so hardened about this. It's not your money. All good gifts, everything comes from God. And when you understand and know this and understand what he's trying to do with this, you'll stop being so selfish. Mine, mine, mine. It's mine. Mine. It's not yours. It's God's. Don't rob God. Okay, now I've set you up for probably my favorite verses, group of verses on tithings and offering, and it's the one on unrighteous mammon. So if you can go to the next set of scriptures here, please. Now, I'm going to read this to you, and then I'll go back and explain it. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is the least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is the least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in an unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And keep going. I know there's a couple more verses there. 
They got them up there. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either you hate the one and you love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now listen, I want to explain to you what mammon is. Does anybody want to know what mammon is? Everybody thinks, well, it's about, that's probably money or something. Here's the definition out of the Bible definition, out of Easton's Bible um, definition of mammon. It's a Chaldean or Syrian word. How many went through the Free Indeed series? What's a Chaldean area? That's the area where the demons live. It's a Chaldean or Syrian word for wealth and riches, but it is the word for their god of riches. It also goes back to Babylon. You know what happened in Babylon. What happened in Babylon? They tried to get to heaven their own way. Instead of going God's way, I'm going to do it my way, mine. I'm going to build a tower. We're going to build a tower and get to heaven our way. We're going to do it my way. And God had to separate them and cause them to have different languages. Babylon means sown in confusion or sired in confusion. The world system of money has been sired in confusion. And it's the world system, and there's a spirit on every single dollar, every single t form of currency. It's either the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God gets on it. Every single piece of currency and every single piece of anything that's produced in this entire world either has a spirit of mammon on it or it has a spirit of God on it. There's no in-between. I'm going to show you some things here in this set of verses that hopefully will open up your heart and mind to this. And please listen to these verses. Hopefully this will change you forever. So let's go back to the beginning of those verses and let's go through them. Uh, so if you can go back, I don't know if you can go Yes. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting home. Let's stop there. First of all, some people say, see, I'm supposed to make friends so that, that they can give back to me. But where are you, that word fail there? I think the Amplified gets it right, and some of the other ones get it right. But the word fail there is, is really when you expire or when you fail away or when you die. So let's put when you die in there, which is probably the better word. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. So take your unrighteous mammon, get it redeemed by God into the kingdom of God, Bless people with it, which brings friendship. Then when you die, they may receive you in heaven. When you go to heaven, the people that are there already, like the orphanage folks that we're supporting in Nepal, they're going to know and understand that we were supporting them and giving them $300 every month so that they could continue. Your gifts redeemed out of unrighteous mammon, put in the hands of Jesus Christ, are going to be, people will remember that. So when they get to heaven, they're going to be thanking you. Wow, what a picture. And they're going to receive you into that everlasting home. They're going to say, hey, thank you. Thank you. I know that you, that you gave. And because you gave, and we're like God, I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and now I'm here. Thank you. That's what that verse says. You get it? Let's go on because it gets better. 
when you fail or when you die, he who is faithful in what is the least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Are you going to be faithful in tithes and offerings? Because if you're not going to be faithful in tithes and offerings, how can I trust you with much? Let's go on. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, which is the spirit of the world. By the way, unrighteous mammon, I also see that, and Dr. Um, Robert Morris uh, mentions this, that it's actually the spirit of Antichrist, and I truly believe he's right. Because how does Antichrist rule in that short time period that he's around? He forces everyone to buy. You can't buy or sell unless you get a mark. He forces everyone to get a mark. He rules by an economic system. He rules with money. Our government rules, come on, Wall Street rules. Matter of fact, it says that ancient ba Babylon in the book of Revelation will eventually fall. You know what's going to eventually fall in the book of Revelation? The spirit of mammon is going to fall and Jesus Christ is going to come and rule and reign forever. The spirit of Babylon is the spirit of the financial systems of this world. And you cannot serve them and God. And if you leave your stuff in that system, you cannot serve God. And if you take your stuff out of that system and get it blessed in the hands of Jesus Christ, come on, then what's going to happen is it's going to be multiplied, and he's actually going to put a covering over your other 90% and whatever's left, and it's not going to be under that curse of that system, of that spirit, because that spirit wants to rule you, and it wants to take you down, and it wants to put you in its system. This is the spirit of Antichrist. This thing about mammon and God is huge in our lives because we don't understand it and because we live in such a way that that's mine, mine. If you don't redeem that stuff out of the world, it's under the spirit of mammon, and you're under the spirit of mammon with that stuff because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure's over here under the spirit of mammon, that's where your heart's going to be. If you redeem your treasures... And put them in the hands of Jesus Christ, who then multiplies them and covers the rest and rebukes the devourer and asks you to build storehouses and is going to protect your home. Let's see. Blessings, curse. Blessings, curse. Oh, which one should I do? Duh. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Really? You know... Therefore, if you've not been faithful in what, faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the trust of true riches? Here's what true riches are. Remember I said that where your treasure is, where your heart be, lay it for yourself, treasures in heaven. What can you really bring to heaven? Because I, I kind of baffled a few of you a few weeks ago and says, you know, we need to, there's stuff that we need to bring to heaven with us. And a lot of you thought it was stuff from this world. What are true riches? There's only one thing that's a true riches that will be in heaven, and that's souls. God is the only one I know of that when you redeem stuff out of unrighteous mammon, can redeem it, use it, bless people with it, and souls get saved, and you get true riches in heaven with you. True riches are souls. That's the only thing that will ever last. 
Money doesn't last in heaven. God doesn't need it. This is about taking stuff under the spirit of the enemy, just like we were at one time, redeeming it into the kingdom of God, using it in the kingdom of God as God blesses it to touch other people. Isn't that about basically the whole Great Commission wrapped up in a few words? Let's go on to the next group of verses. So basically, how can he commit to you true riches? How would God commit to you true riches, the souls of this world, if you can't even be righteous in getting your stuff out of unrighteous mammon? If you're not tithing and giving offerings and extravagant offerings in God, how is he going to trust you with the true riches, which is souls? That's what it's saying to you. Listen, it gets better. And if you've not been faithful in another man's, who will give you what is your own? The tithes and the offerings belong to who? If you're not faithful with another man's, if you're not giving what is God's to God, how can he give you what is your own? He can't put a blessing on your stuff, you're under a curse. Get it? Malachi again? Your stuff is cursed because you're not faithful in what is God's in giving it to God. And because you're not faithful in this area, you're under that curse. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve the spirit of mammon, and you cannot serve God. You cannot live in the system of the world and think you're going to be able to live in that and then try to serve God. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Jesus, these are Jesus' words, by the way, and they're in red. These aren't my words. So if you have a problem with this, go see Jesus about it. I'm just kind of being the messenger here. Are you guys getting this? Do you understand why tithes and offerings now are so, so important? Do you understand why every single, every single Sunday, that pastor before even Pastor Brennan, every Sunday there's a tithe and offering exhortation? Because it's so important. It is so important in your life. You have to get this. You have to understand. If you can't be faithful in this, how can you be faithful in the things of love and joy and peace and the Holy Ghost? How can you be faithful in the other stuff? See, this is a heart issue. All of us need heart surgery. We were born into this world with a corrupt heart, and we've been reborn into the kingdom of God with God's heart. But somehow, during this time that we're on the earth, the Holy Spirit takes and shapes this heart and takes us more and more into the heart of God. And as we get his heart and this, we become more like him. And that's why he's doing this with us. It's a, yeah, it is a test. But it's a test that he wants all of us to pass. All of us. That unrighteous mammon that Jesus talks about, and there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of other verses I can use. I'm not going to go there. We don't have time. But let me wrap it up with this. And here's the picture of it now. Now, do you get this? Somebody is, you got it? Okay, I'm going to go to, and I don't have it up on the board. We won't go there, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verses 4 through 10. Hezekiah. Hezekiah is the king over the land. Hezekiah realizes 
oh no, we haven't been tithing. We haven't been giving offerings. We haven't been following God's ordinary principles. They're in de great depression in the land. The land is being attacked over and over again. Pieces of the land are being taken by the enemy. Things are just a mess in the kingdom. Isaiah reads this thing in Malachi, or not in Malachi, but he reads it in, um, I don't know which, in the five books of the law, Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, excuse me, Leviticus. He's reading this. He says to the priests, the Levites, hey, come here. Look at what we're, this is the problem. I'm going to give an ordinance. Right now it's harvest time in the land. Everyone is going to be forced. They, I will make a decree. They will tithe of their first fruits, and they will give it unto the storehouse of God. And, to the, and Levi's, you priests, you bring that in. And you give, I'm giving this decree. So he gives a decree in the land. So it's harvest time. The first fruits are coming in. Their lambs are being born. The first of the lambs are coming in. All the different things are coming in. Four months of harvest is going on. Hezekiah comes to the Levites and says, how's it going? And he sees heaps, heaps, giant heaps all through the temple, all through the storehouses of God. The storehouses of God are overflowing. The church is overflowing. It has more than enough to touch the kingdom of God. Come on. And it's heaps everywhere. But Hezekiah is thinking, I'm the king over the people. How am I going to... Oh, I've taken from the people. Look at all this stuff. But what about the people? And he goes to the Levites and says, what's going on with the people? And he says, well, come on, you've got to look. You've got to look since the first time they began to tithe. They've been blessed, and the curse has been broken off them. And our land is going, it's blessed. The, if you think there's heaps here, let's go look at the heaps that are in the people's lives. And they, they're all got heaps everywhere. Come on, the blessings of God got on the people. And as it got on the people, they had more to give. And as they had more to give, more heaps got into the temple. And because the temple had more to give, the things of God were being done in the world and around that area. Come on, and God's glory filled that place. That's what we need. The reason why that building isn't done is because we don't understand sometimes. There should be more heaps than enough inside the house of God. And it starts with our tithes and our offerings and understanding this. And as you get it, those heaps then become part of your family. How many want your families to be blessed? How many want your life to be blessed? You don't do it for that reason. But here's what happens. God says, my blessings are going to run you down, and they're going to take you up. It's almost like I feel like a football player. They come and they just tackle you and pull you down and say, I'm blessing you, I'm blessing you, I'm blessing you, I'm blessing you. Come on. That's what happens because, God, you, you're finally moving into my heart. And now you've redeemed your stuff out of the curse. And now that it's in the blessing, I can multiply it. The earth should be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the seas. And I can tell you one of the ways that can be done if we get this vision and understand this. How many want to have their families blessed? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, says the Lord. And then all, all, all of these things will be added unto you. That's what the tithes and offerings are all about. That's what the tithes and offerings are all about. This is a hard thing, though. This is not about... 
just going to do this and getting something back. This is about our heart becoming like his heart. So as I'm closing here today, let me again read Matthew 6, 20 and 21. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths, moth and rust does not destroy, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We need some heart, radical heart surgery today. Come on, we all need radical heart surgery to understand this. This isn't about some pastor up here trying to get into your pocketbook. This is about God trying to say, get into my heart and become like me. I tell you, the greatest adventure you could ever go on in your life is to catch this vision and become extravagant givers because God is the most extravagant giver of all, giver of all. And to live in a place where you extravagantly just pour into others and you become a, learn to not only get the blessing, but to take the blessing that he's given you and be a blessing unto other people. Amen. The last scripture I want to share is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says that if you have not love, you can give all your goods to feed the poor. And what he's really saying there, let me explain it to you. If you do it like Cain, it ain't going to work. If you don't do it the right way with the right heart, if you don't have the love of God poured into your heart, if you don't do it my way, you can give everything away. It's not going to get redeemed. It's going to stay under the spirit of mammon. So there's a lot of people who think they're going to give so they can get, but they don't understand the principle, and it's about God blessing our heart and taking our stuff and blessing it, Jesus Christ, and multiplying it and putting his covering, his umbrella covering over the other, under, if it's just the tithe, over the other 90%. If it's an extraordinary offering, I talked about that earlier, about Abraham giving his son, about the woman, Mary, giving the alabaster box. Come on, about Solomon offering what, the thousand bulls. If we can get this church to the place of tithing only, just to that place, we will have heaps. And then if you take and go farther into the place of offering and extravagant offerings, there's no limit of the exciting blessings that God wants to take you on and the ride that he wants to take you on in this world. So let's all stand. Thank you for the electricity today, God. <laughs> and Father God, I just ask that this type of message and this word, Father, gets deep into the hearts of the people and that they understand that all you're doing in this is trying to take them and love on them and take them into a place of blessing. But it's up to them. They can choose curse and the spirit of mammon, or they can choose you and blessing. And just like you put before them, you can choose life or you can choose death. I speak to you this day. Choose life. Choose life. Choose the way of God. Father God, I ask that you bless each and every one of them, every one here. Holy Spirit, come mightily. Begin to work in their hearts. Begin to work over their mind. Break through and 
have spiritual heart surgery on each one, radical open heart surgery, giving them a kingdom heart. In the mighty name of Jesus.